when you change the way you look at the world, your world changes. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to get across in my talks. Is like, is it the worst? Maybe. Maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. Here's an example of how I use this in my life, and it made all the difference, because when you shift that perspective there, it's huge. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined all the way from Vancouver in Canada. We have motivational speaker and traumatic brain injury survivor who's there changing the way people view their setbacks. Welcome to the show today, Dan McQueen. Paul, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time and, uh, and being on the show. Mate. Looking forward to a, an interesting chat. Um, before we get into the how you help people and what you do these days, can you just give us a little bit of background about uh, about you and what got you to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I guess my interesting part of my story is the traumatic brain injury I suffered in London. Um, I'm from Canada. How did I get to London? Great question, Paul. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I studied a master's in Sweden before this. I uh, lived in Sweden for a year. did a master's in leadership for sustainability. Yeah. Then moved to London afterwards working in tech. Uh, big nights out, cafes, food, going out to bars and stuff, a great vibrant lifestyle. I started having these headaches that were horrible and they got worse after a few weeks. Right. I was popping painkillers like candy because my head was pounding. Mm. The headaches would get so bad that my vision would turn spotty. And I would see stars or sometimes it would just go black. Now it's the black screen like on the tube and it just goes black. I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. I went to A&E, which is accident and emergency for those in North America. You obviously know what that means, Paul. Yeah. yeah. They thought it was vertigo and they sent me home. Wow. But they told me if the headaches were to continue, I could get them checked in an optometrist. My eyes checked in an optometrist. So I was in the middle of the exam and the optometrist, Mr. Patel, he stopped the exam, which is not a casual move, right, Paul? Mm. He goes, we got to stop right here. I'm going to give you the sealed envelope. And he told me to go directly to Moorfields Hospital. Didn't really follow those suggestions. I didn't open the envelope, but I went home first to grab a Jack Reacher with Lee Child, a bite to eat and a phone charger because I figured I'd be in for a bit of a wait. Went to Moorfields Hospital. They ran the same test. Then I slew me to Charing Cross Hospital. It turns out I had a dangerous buildup of pressure in my brain caused from a non-cancerous system I had. It turns out I required emergency brain surgery. It turns out my world was about to change entirely. Mm. Uh, I called my manager, my few friends, Rile the folks back in Canada with the, the old email. Looks like I'm going to have to have brain surgery tomorrow. Uh, so I was on the operating table and my mom was flying to London. While I was on the operating table, I had a brain hemorrhage. The system my brain burst, they think. Wow. My mom lands and finds I'm in critical condition. I was in a coma for four weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after this. It was very dicey, touch and go. Mm. When I was in a coma, they had to keep my core temperature down below 40 degrees, otherwise it'd be brain damage. They used ice blankets above and below me to keep my core temperature down. This led to violent shivering. Mm. I was cold for months after getting out of the hospital. I think the cold had seeped into my bones. Mm. When all was said and done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again, Paul. I had to rebuild my life up from the stage. You know, getting in the wheelchair took 30 minutes, then 25, then 20, then 25. 
It was arduous. It was a struggle. One step forward, two steps back. I worked tooth and nail and I had a ton of help. My family came up from Vancouver. Friends came up from Vancouver to help me and support me and cheer me on. They kind of cheered me on on the sidelines and I wanted to show them that I could be better and that I was trying really hard here. I wanted mm-hmm. to show, see, show them progress. So I built back to walking again, talking again. The way they got me talking again, I had a breathing tube removed, so I couldn't talk for the first few weeks, mm-hmm. which was very frustrating. I woke up in the hospital bed trying to speak, but I can't speak. My mom, dad, and brother around the bed and they go, how are you doing, dad? Like, you just had this brain hammer. How are you feeling? And I'm trying to talk, but I can't speak because the brain, the, the tracheotomy hadn't, hadn't healed yet. My books by, box hadn't come back. And I'm really frustrated. I go, give me a pen and paper. And I point at my brother, I go, you, get me out of here. Wow. And I show it to him, like, what do you want me to do with this, bud? But it took weeks to get talking again. The way they got me talking again was the, the nurse took me down to the, the park and she would sit, sit me in front of these kids across the park and she goes, Hey, Dan, they don't think you're good enough to talk. Those kids across the way, they don't think you're good enough to talk, Dan. And I go, I found my voice. Right. Um, Tell me I can't do something, man. And like, she found out what motivated me, just hammered that. And it worked. I got speaking again. But it was one step forward, two steps back. I got my way back up to work after eight months of rehab. Um. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of the, the, the Cole's notes of what happened to me and, and the start off there, Paul. I don't know if that gives him more to jump off of. Wow. I mean, um, what a story. And, you know, there's so much to go off there and uh, and just an amazing the fact that you've got back to where you are today uh, and the, the strength of character that, that it's taken and the strength of support that I'm sure it's taken to get you back there. A um, couple of things I've noted on here. Um, you maybe glossed over a little bit there, but Sweden. What can, let's go back to to that side of it. What what took you to Sweden in the first place, and uh, uh, what was the what was life like there? Yeah, so Sweden was great. It was I found out if you got a European passport, you get free education in Sweden. I was looking at masters in Vancouver, but it was going to be about twenty thirty grand. I figured, well, I got a passport to European Austrian passport. My grandfather was Austrian. Right. If I can get to Sweden, I can get free masters. And I can pay 20, 30 grand to live in Sweden for a year, which sounds way better than spending 20 grand on a higher education here. Yeah. We moved to Malmo, Sweden, in the very south of Sweden, which is awesome. Have you, have you been there? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic place. It's a good I've... spot. So, like, I really enjoyed Malmo, like, vibrant city, one of the bigger cities in, in Sweden. But, you know, lots of good nights out, enjoying the finer things in life. Fika vibes in Sweden, man. Fika yeah. vibes are my vibes. Because the Swedish for coffee break and something I really picked up while I lived over there. But Sweden was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. In fact, I was telling this story about um, Sweden last night to a friend of mine. So they're big in sauna in Sweden, right? Mm. And so I went to the sauna middle of winter. It was like this kind of thing you do. And you, and you go naked in the sauna. I'm like, you go naked? Like, yeah, naked. No <laughs> trunks. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm going to walk out naked. And everyone's going to have their bathing suit on. So I lo- walked out sheepishly in the change room. They're all naked. I'm like, okay, good. Thankfully, it's fine. I'm cool with that. If everyone's naked, I'm fine with being naked, but I don't want the only one naked in the bathing suits. <laughs> they chip away the ice. So you're in the sauna for like 20 minutes, whatever. You get, you're scolding hot, you're scorching. Yeah. They chip away the ice in this big rectangle shape, right? And the idea is you go dunk in the cold water and you go back run in the sauna and go warm up again. Yeah. So we kind of run into the cold water, down the stairs, bang, bang, bang into the ice cold water, splash. It's freezing. Your breath is taken away. It's so cold. I'm running back up the stairs and this old boy just goes, wait, 
And you go, excuse me? Wait, wait a minute. Okay. And so your body is so hot going from so cold then equalizing the outside temperature. Mm. So you've got this kind of harmonious place where your body's just tingling with these endorphins flying around. Your body's like tingling. You're warm. You're stark naked in the freezing cold middle of winter. And I was like, oh, I can see why you get behind the sauna. This is pretty cool. Yeah. So I love the sauna vibe there, but it was uh, very fun. Stock or Sweden was great. Traveled around Scandinavia, went to Copenhagen, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland. So all the Scandinavia, all the Nordic countries. Yeah. And really enjoyed life there. It was quite good. I tried to get a job in Copenhagen afterwards, but it proved to be difficult. So I moved to London where language was not going to be an issue. Right. And then got a job working in tech for Hootsuite. Right. Started off working in technical support, which was not a skill set for myself. Like I'm not a very technical guy and I'm like resolving issues. Like luckily I had a whole bunch of scripts that I could just follow like this problem, try this. Yeah. But I moved into professional services, which is more my vibe, and that's more helping clients post sale. Right. Uh train them on the platform, send them the platform, send them up for success. But for that that period right after they sign when they're trying to get ramped up for success, it's a great, great job. I love it because I can kind of call my shots run training sessions both in person and online, mostly online, to clients in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, EMEA. Right. Which is quite cool because, like, you know, southern Italy is quite different than Saudi Arabia, which is quite different than, like, Kenya or Cape Town. Like, it's quite a different breadth of, of, of clientele. Yeah. You know, in Saudi Arabia, we're working with, like, the CMO of, like, a $4 billion company on the call. And then in like Southern Italy, it's, it's, it's more chill. And like, it's just quite a big, big uh, mix of, of clients together, right? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I mean, brilliant experiences. And, and yeah, the Scandinavian piece, I've, I've spent time in Sweden and Finland and, and things like that. And the um, uh, my wife, when we were in New Zealand, actually almost set up a, a company called Fika. Um, she was introduced to the concept and, uh, and yeah, it was just, it, it, it was nothing to do with Fika itself, but it, exactly coffee and a chat and, and chill with your friends and all the rest of it. And, uh, and yeah, I just thought it was a great name for a company as well. <laughs> Fika and, vibes are my vibes. And I really enjoy that. And like I, in my old job, I used to put people, Fika in people's calendars. Right. People that would come to the company like, damn, what the hell is Fika? It's all over your calendar. Cause I would book like probably one a day. It's like a coffee break. Go for a chat with someone, connect, have a coffee, have a treat. But it's it's a way of living life that is is just beyond the numbers, beyond your nine, like beyond your scope of work. It's like connecting with someone on a real level and having a chat. Yeah. Going for a walk, experiencing someone with them one on one, which is quite. I like that a lot. I'm more I'm more of a deep than a narrow and deep rather than wide and shallow. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, and. Um... You know, obviously moving to London and, and having that experience there and then obviously going through um, the experience that you did and having uh, having that medical side of things happen to you. I mean, I've lived on the other side of the world. I've lived far apart from family. How did your family react? And, you know, you say your, your mum came straight over from Canada. You know, it, it's always a difficult thing when you've, you're that far away to know, do we get on the plane? Do we not? Uh, you know, how can we help if we do come over? What can we do? And um, how did that work for you and your family in that situation? Yeah, well, I was quite lucky. My mom had just retired, so she was on a flight, you know, that day, that night, right. coming to London. And, you know, bless her, like, she arrived and found out I was in a coma. So, like, the worst case scenario had happened. Well, not the worst, but mm. not a good case had happened during surgery. And she was out there for probably a year helping me get back to work and, 
and rehabbing and all this stuff. And my dad came out as well. Yep. He really supported me. My brother was in Berlin at the time, so he came over quite often. I had friends come over from Vancouver. And I was really motivated to kind of show them improvement. So they'd come over and I'd be like, Dan, you weren't walking when I came initially, but when I came back from Scotland after two weeks, you were walking on the Zimmer frame. And I'm like, yeah, because like I wanted to show you like, hey, yeah. I'm going to try here. Like I always prided myself when I was younger, not trying too hard, at least presenting that I tried too hard. I got to be cool. I'm not trying to hard. This is all easy for me, but it was never easy. I was like downplay the try. Right now it's like, Hey man, I'll wear it on my sleeve. Like I'm trying my ass off to make this happen. And like, it's, I call trying like chop wood, carry water. Whenever I get stressed or like flustered with what I'm doing, chop wood, carry water, get to work, go through the, the connection on the podcast match, go mm-hmm. through cold emails, go through the course that I'm doing for speaking and building that stuff up, like chop wood, carry water, get to work. Mm-hmm. But the help that I had from friends and family was in, like instrumental in getting me back. And that's why I'm so driven to kind of help people now because maybe you don't have the support that I had. Maybe you're not mm-hmm. able to get back up to where I'm at because of the help I had. And that's why I'm doing the talking now is to kind of showcase what I've learned because I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through. Like mm-hmm. it was so difficult and I had so much help. And if I can help mitigate that a little bit for you, even a little bit, give you like a sliver of hope. When, when you think it's dead to rights, like, hey, man, like, this is my story. This is where I was at. And look where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was dead to rights, but I'm not now. And, like, I'm still going. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that instilling that hope in someone is so rewarding when they say, hey, man, I, I gave up on trying this. But after your talk, I'm trying this again. It's, like, that. that's something. That's something that I did that I can get behind and feel like I've added value to this world and added hope to their vibe. And, like, just I'm telling you, it's not over. Yeah. It's not over, man. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, and uh, and that brings us nicely to the the I guess the next question, which is, and you've already touched on some of this, but who do you help and how do you help them? So, who do you ha- tend to work with, and uh, and what do you do to to help them perform? Yeah, thanks. It's a good question, Paul. So, this talk that I give now was initially built for outpatients, so people that have been through my rehab program that were now out of the rehab program, going back to real life, and like integrating back into the real world, which is quite an adjustment being in the hospital for a few months. And I've designed this talk to showcase like how you can integrate back in the real world. So initially it was done for rehab patients, brain injury survivors, stroke survivors, um, survivors of any sort of traumatic injury with the head. Mm-hmm. It's now morphed into more of like hacks for life and, and mindsets and perspective for life. Um, I'm giving a talk at the brain injury conference in Vancouver in April, I believe. May, uh, but that's gonna be for specifically for brain injury practitioners, people that help people with brain injuries. Right. My talks now are mostly about like I wouldn't say everyone because not everyone can get value from it, but you have to be open to receiving help and like being open to try new things. Yeah. Because I'm gonna say stuff that's counterintuitive to you, like, oh Dan, I don't meditate or I don't cold shower. It's like cool. Like, have you tried it? Mm-hmm. If you know it's not for you, then it's not for you. Fine, fair. But like, I'm telling you, this is my situation. And now I meditate every day and now I cold shower every day. Right. Like these are things that I value and like, this is why I value them. Mm. If that's not going to change you, then fine. Hey, everyone's different. You mm. do, you do you, but like maybe give it a try. And if you're just saying, no, I'm not going to try this because that's not what I do. It's like, Hey, fine. That's not for you. And that's like, I can't speak to you because you've already told me there's no value in what I'm telling you. I'm like telling you, this is my situation. Look where I've climbed up back up to now. So it's like, you got to be open to receive help, and that's who I can help. If that makes sense, Paul. Yeah, wonderful, and and I I think that's 
you've hit a couple of things on on the head really one is just um being uh sorry i've just realized that was a very bad <laughs> bad terminology to use um you've hit the nail on the head is what i meant to say but um you it's about taking your story and sharing that back to people and helping them if it connects it connects if it doesn't it doesn't but all you can do in that situation is to try to put yourself out there and to see where your value can be be given and be taken in the world and i think that's a wonderful thing to do uh, rather than just sit back and go poor me i you know i've gone through this you know, uh, i'm going through it right now it's just actually what can i do to take action to be positive to be more abundant in the world to to feed back i think that's a wonderful well, thing well a couple of points i want to bring up on this paul like the odds of you being a human being some statisticians say it's some statisticians 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 think it's one in 400 trillion right 400 trillion to one for you a chance to have a life on this earth mm. you're more likely to win the lottery like 20 50 times than have a life and you're going to sit here and complain about your cards that you were dealt like hey man it sucks it's not fair it's not fair you're right the question you got to ask yourself is and what what do you expect to have happen after that mm. well i should have this it's not fair this always happens to me it's like okay and Eventually, you just spiral out. Like you run out of options to like to whinge and moan about. But like, I I really suffocate that. I call it the pity the pity spiral, and I try mm. to avoid that as best I can because no good comes from the pity spiral. Mm. No. I'm gonna share one story with you if you don't mind, uh, Paul, about walking in Tune Broadway. Yeah. An example of how I can shift perspectives for like non-traumatic brain injury survivors. Mm. So walking in Tune Broadway, as I'm sure you know, Tune mm. Broadway is a bit of a Colorful area. Yes. What they call up and coming, which means a bit dodgy, a bit shifty. <laughs> Think loud sirens, drugs, gangs, dirty, hectic, busy. It's a full on experience. Walking with a cane and walking with an eye patch. I'm Bambi on ice. I'm fresh out of a wheelchair. I turn the corner on the Broadway the first time, immediately get slammed into by someone. Hmm. When I stagger back a few feet, someone scurries past me on the right hand side. Someone had been, said, had been stabbed on the sidewalk. I'm walking around him. He's looking faded this is a pretty wild place to learn how to walk man this place sucks to walk after a whole week of this i'm thinking this is the worst place to walk in the world can't they see i'm trying here can't they see i'm trying to walk here and then one day my perspective shifted maybe this isn't the worst place to learn how to walk in the world maybe this is the best place if i can walk here i can walk anywhere yeah now tune probably didn't change right yeah it's still up and coming as far as I'm more today. Bless you, Tune Broadway. Got lots of love for you. No disrespect. But it went from the worst to the best in my mind and my mood reflected that. What are you looking at in your life that you're convinced is the worst? Mm. Is it? Maybe it is. But maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. Maybe you can turn down the suck a little bit. Mm. Can you shift that perspective a little bit? Maybe it's not the worst. And that's what I'm trying to tell you is like, this was the worst in my mind until it wasn't. And that became the best. And then I looked forward to that, like bump into me, crash past me. Good. Bring it on. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. I began looking forward to those walks in June Broadway, bump into me, crash past me. Good. Bring it on. Like when you change the way you look at the world, your world changes. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to get across in my talks. Is like, is it the worst? Maybe, maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. Here's an example of how I use this in my life. And it made all the difference because when you shift that perspective there, it's huge. Uh, maybe that's something you can go off there, Paul. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, it's such a wonderful thing that to change your frame on something 
is a deliberate act on your behalf. And so you've got to decide, you've got to make that decision that that's what I want to do and then just go and do it. You know, it, it's a, but you've got to decide that in the first place, haven't you? It's like, I, I can't, I, I know this is a, a, a bad situation right now, but if I change my perspective, if I think about this differently, right, I'm going to do that. And I want to come back to the term you used earlier on, which is chop the wood, carry the water, is it? Chop wood, carry water. Yeah, chop that's uh, a phrase I used to, like when I remind myself, like I'm a bit stressed, a bit fluttered, like, no, 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 Jan, Dan, chop wood, carry water, like, get to work. Put put your hands to work and like get to work the process, like put in the reps, like go to the gym, exercise, cold shower, meditate, mm. go through the email list, go through your pod match stuff and, and, and set up that and put the work in. Like don't don't fluster about what you can't control. Control what you can control, chop wood, carry water, and not get flustered about all this other stuff. So it's like a reminder for myself of like whenever I get flustered, just chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry water. Can I control it if no? Don't worry about it. If yes, actively take steps to resolve it. But like, it kind of links into some stoic philosophy as well. Like, can you control yeah. it? Yes or no? I'm a big stoic philosopher. Like um, Ryan Holiday is a big guy I follow these days. And he's quite a powerful speaker about stoicism and the power that there is there yeah. with regard to understanding how you view the world mm. and how much of an impact that can have on your actions and activities. Mm. No, I, I mean, it's a completely different scenario for me. I, I was going through a... Um, redundancy when out, out in New Zealand. My wife was six months pregnant at the time. It was unexpected. I knew the, a round of redundancies were coming. I didn't see it happening for me. So when it did happen, I did the standard thing and I went home and drank a bottle of wine and felt sorry for myself for, uh, for that evening. And then the following day, I, I, I'm I, particularly at the time, and I'm, I'm still the case now, big into post-it notes. So I was like, right, do something and it's that sort of chop wood carry water go to work pieces like what would you say to somebody else write it down what can you control what can't you control and that was my first starting point is what can i control in this situation well i know i can't control the decision as to whether or not i'm going to be made redundant that's already been made i can't control how people have perceived me till now but what can i do i can control where i go to from here do i take this as a positive uh learning process in my life or, or, or do i take it as a, a negative beat yourself down um piece you know it's like I, these are all things in my control and as soon as i recognize those and literally in my case put the things to one side to say i can't control those so i'm not going to think about them that for me frees up and i still go for that practice for myself it's not always post-its it's pen and paper or, or just thought processes and it's that element of what can you control what can't you control crack on and if you don't want to take action, you obviously don't want to change. So, um, yeah, if I could add one piece to that, that's, that's, uh, I've got a very similar story myself, uh, Paul, I was made redundant this past summer for my job. Uh, I went for a lunch, had a couple margaritas, I'll be honest. And I decided, you know what? I'm a motivational speaker today. I'm mm -hmm. picking up a computer today because tomorrow I'm chasing this full hog. Right. And acceptance is the big thing here, right? Like the first brain hammer took about a month to accept. Mm. The second setback that I had took about a week. This job loss took about an afternoon. Mind you, it took about a week for me to like fully settle with my mind. But like I made the choice that afternoon about I'm a speaker tomorrow. Right. And the faster you can get to acceptance, the faster you can take steps to re rectify it. Because wishing something did not happen is not an active way to resolve it. You're just spinning your tires. You're like, I could have been taking steps this whole time instead of been whinging or whining about this. 
take action and make progress like it's yours take it oh wonderful couldn't agree more on that front so uh um so who helps you uh these days who helps you with your performance and your um uh, your move into the world of motivational speaking and uh, and everything that goes along with it um i've been very fortunate to have a whole bunch of friends in vancouver that are quite active in terms of videographers in terms of editors in terms of photographers that have helped me kind of build up a profile that's wouldn't say totally flawless but it's it's pretty good for a for a v1 for a speaker yep. website the website's done now which is pretty cool it's got my demo reel out there which is quite quite a good demo at this stage um I've had lots of help from I'm a part of an online speaking agency that's kind of helped me get my my speaking off the ground speaking uh, speaker lab, which has been pretty helpful. Yeah, uh, I've got friends of mine that work in the space that are part of online bureaus and bureaus that are quite good. That have offered encouragement or potentially prodded me along the way, like maybe you should do it this way, yeah, you do it that way. And I'm open for feedback, and I'm putting it out there. Like I'm stretching out here, man. This is like a full stretch. Mm. I'm walking this hype, this hype rope walk and like everyone can see me walk this type of rock. I'm like, like, can this happen? Um, yeah, I'm walking this type of walk and it's quite stressful, quite open, quite um, uh, all encompassing, but it's there, it's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, amazing that you've got all of that support out there and i think it, one of these things um that's really struck home to me over these uh last sort of year or two when i've gone out and been independent looking to do more of the speaking events and the uh the one-on-one -on -one work with clients and things like that is it even if you're just a one-man band in your own game there is always a team behind you there's always people who you are leaning on for advice support guidance um be that sort of paid work you know to actually build you, know, you help you build up your, your portfolio or whatever that might be or just that guidance and uh and, and support and coaching from friends and colleagues and uh, and people you know it's invaluable because you know particularly when you you're taking such a leap like yourself you know it's like you don't know the world of motivational speaking i'm is my assumption um because you haven't been in that world until you are now and now that you are, it takes a lot to to immerse yourself in it. Uh, and I take my hat off to you in terms of, you know, going all in. And I think that's the only way to go, really. There's a great um, clip I saw on Instagram with Lex Friedman talking about this this poem. I think from I forget who it's from now, but it's a quote. The poem's about go all the way. It's about if you're going to do something, go all the way. Don't go half measures. Don't do things half half heartedly. Like do it all full send. And I am full sending this for sure, bud. Like mm. I'm, I'm weighing it out on the line. Like I'm, I'm redlining it. I can, I will, I must kind of vibe with this. And it's like, I'm not going to stop until it's successful. I'm just not going to stop. Brilliant. And well, Dan, how do you, how do you instill that? I don't know if you can instill this in other people. I don't know if you can train this in other people. Was I all like this? I, maybe um, I'm not totally certain. I've never been faced with something like this before, but like, I'm pretty stubborn slash pretty determined slash pretty gritty to make this happen. And like, why not, man? Why can't I do this? Yeah. Tell me I can't do something and watch me prove you wrong. Like that, that nurse from New Zealand getting me speaking again from the hospital. Like they, they don't think you're good enough to talk to them. Like, boom, that, that's a way to get me talking. Yeah. You don't think I can talk, uh, jog on, bro. Jog. <laughs> like just, 
yelling this across the park and like it worked right like that's what works for me and like find out what works for you and just hammer that doesn't matter what it is don't judge your motivation doesn't matter if it's good or bad from a dark place from a positive place like whatever it is hammer it and hammer it again because that's what works like don't don't tinker with like it should come from an altruistic place of helping people service like I'm trying to transition my motivation now to service because that more long-term, more sustainable. Mm. But if, you know, I'd be lying if I told you, if someone told me, oh, Dan's doing this or Dan, Dan can't do this. It's like, cool. Watch me, bro. Yeah. Cause like, that's what gets me going. And that's what fires me up inside and gets me going. So it's, uh, don't judge the motivation, but just embrace it and, and harness it if you can. Yeah. Oh, lovely words. Um, couple of questions then. Um, if you could help anyone, any individual or team or organization with the skill set you've got and maybe with your, your motivational speech, who would you want that to be? If I could help anyone, who would I want it to be? Mm. I would say like D&I, HR representatives from organizations get in touch. Um, I can offer a talk that will offer some perspective to your client, to your company, to your customers, or to your client employees. Mm-hmm. Can't speak as a speaker. Um, that's who I would like to get in touch, is because I can offer some perspective that's going to be different and unique for your team. And is the talk worthwhile? One hundred percent. Because you can't get these lessons learned. I pay for these in blood, sweat, and tears, man. Yeah. Like with these hands, like I, 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 I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Like I was so close to the abyss a few times and I've scaled it back. And now I can show you what really matters. Like this is that, that right hand turn you think is coming up. That's not a right hand turn you want to take, man. Go around the corner. That's a fake. That's a honeypot. Right. Avoid that. That's a fake. That's a false flag right there. Hmm. Like that's, I want to kind of instill and get in with these organizations. I want to improve their people and change their perspective because I can do that for you. I can show you what really matters when you're flat up kind for your next one. So I don't know if that answers your question there, Paul. But it's, yeah, um, I mean, I think that there's a load of people out there who, who would, I'm sure would uh, benefit massively from from just taking the time to listen to your story and reflect. And I think that's a, a big part of any of these endeavors is actually just listen, put yourself out there, be open to what other people have got to say. And if it doesn't hit home for you, it doesn't hit home for you. But you know, you've got some amazing lessons and some amazing stories in there that I'm sure would be of huge value to any organisation, really. So, um, let me flip the question around a little bit then and say, if you were able to to sit down, maybe have a bit of fika time with somebody, um, and learn from them, um, who would you want that to be? Uh, I'm thinking of the podcast right now, so I'd probably ask like Tim Ferriss or like Chase Jarvis or. Gary Vee or Joe Rogan, like one of these guys and pick their brain on like how they go about gaining new skills and knowledge and, and connecting with people because that's what it is. It's who you know, mm. more so than what you know. Um, how do you make these connectors and build these relationships and add value there? That's kind of what I want to see is like how to add value. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I'd like to ask you a question too, if that's okay with you. Yeah, you go for it. That was a great time. Well, Paul, I wanted to, to ask you... Um, what was the question I wanted to ask you? So you're, you've, been, you've been doing a podcast for a little while now. I haven't checked how long you've been doing it for, but you've obviously interviewed a number of people. Quite a skilled interviewer, as I can tell from the interview today. But what's one thing that you've learned from interviewing people such as myself 
from your perspective, like what's a lesson that you see or like maybe a thread that you can pull through all the interviews you've seen so far? Uh, I mean, um, thanks for the compliments, by the way. Um, it would be, I mean, I've been doing this since last September. So, you know, it's probably be, be about sort of six months or so now. And I've really, that's something I've been really leaning into. I think the thing for me is just to listen to what sits behind some of the stories. So the stories themselves that people have got to tell are always amazing. But the bit that sits behind that, and that, that's the bit that I'm trying to get my uh, upskill myself on, is how do you sort of just peel uh, the onion back a little bit to see actually what's driven what's got you there, or what's the, what that story? Why is that important to you? Why is that something that you want to share with the world? Um, and I've learned from all the people I've spoken to that everyone's just got this unique perspective on life. They've got the, and, and, and this is a, a case for, for everyone in general, but you know, everyone's experiences shape who they are today. And if you are open to listening to those, you can learn so much. I mean, I, I've, this has been one of the best educations I've ever had, just interviewing people for the podcast. You know, it's, a, uh, yeah. it, it's been an amazing piece in my life to go, oh, I've never thought of things that way. Or now I see the importance of, let me pick some examples of some amazing people. It was International Women's Day yesterday. Um, uh, I don't know when this episode will be going out, but I, I, I put out a compilation of all the amazing women that I've spoken to on the podcast. And yeah. there are people who are talking about uh, money advice. You know, um, the lady who w uh, works at the Mortgage Mum and helps people with, uh, with financial education. There's people there who are in the D&I space who help people understand uh, gender equity and privilege and all those sorts of things. And there's people who are coaching and helping people to listen better uh, and or to share their stories with the world for positive impact um, in the equity world for, for women around the world. You know, or just if you can just listen to those stories and understand what's one thing that I can do. And that's what one thing I'm trying to do and, and all the way through this is what am I going to do differently after speaking to this particular person? And it might just be to change my perspective on things, to widen my horizons. It might be to go out and say, right, I need to sort my finances out <laughs> or I need to think think about this. I need to be take more active um, part in being an advocate uh, for for different groups or whatever it might be. Then, yeah, that's that for me has been a, it's just been such an education. So uh, I'm trying to trying to learn and trying to improve as I go along. That's great, Paul. Thank you for that. It sounds like the why is so key and that's a really understanding. So the why is quite big in all these people that you're speaking to. Is that what I'm getting through with this? Yeah, definitely. It's like what what's driving you to do what you, you do now? The backstories always give you that little bit of a, right, um, either some, you know, something in your life has driven you to, to move into that part of the world or to, to want to help people in that particular way. Um, what is that? Why is that important to you? And why... Yeah why is that connecting with your clients and the people that you're trying to help? Because I think that that's the bit that drives things forward. That's wonderful. Thank you, Paul. One last question, if you don't mind. Uh, as a podcast host, I've got a podcast myself, but it's on pause right now. Yeah. Play loose, look tight, documenting the process of life after. But as a podcast host right now, what's one thing you would tell your younger self before starting a podcast, before you started the podcast, Hey, guess what? This is how it actually is. What yeah. would you tell your younger self? Um, I would heed the words of one of, one of my guests, actually. So I've spoken to a couple of podcast uh, people who 
support people with podcasts. And so, um, and there's a great guy, Kevin Palmieri. I'll give him a, a shout out there. Podcast Co- Growth University. Um, and there's some great tips and tricks there. I think the but the key message for me is consistency. It's like if you go out there and you you share your message and you do it consistently, then that is what will drive. Firstly, your audience. Your audience will see that consistency. They'll know where to go. They'll know that on a Monday I release a new episode, and if on you know it comes to a Monday and there's not an episode, then they're going to walk away from the podcast and and go and find something else. But it's also about the consistency from my perspective as well, in, in going out and say, right, if I'm going to learn from these people, let's consistently learn. Let's put that stuff into practice. Um, so yeah, be consistent with what you do, um, and once you're in, go all in. And, uh, and and move forward with it. Well, that's great, Paul. Thank you very much for that. Awesome. So, Dan, where do people find out more? How do they get in touch with you and how do they uh, acquire your services? Thank you, Paul. That's a good question. Uh, I've got a new website up now, McQueen Dan, M-A-C-Q-U-E-E-N, dan.com. Website's up as of last week with my demo reel on there as well. You can see what I can do. I've done a lot of in-person and also online gigs, uh, some in the UK, uh, some in America, some in Canada. I've got a few in Canadian gigs coming up now, which would be quite nice to do those in person because COVID's been quite restrictive. But uh, yeah, mcqueendan.com is where I suggest you go. Check out my demo reel. Yeah. There's a form there where you can contact me directly and we can start a conversation about speaking if you would like. Brilliant. And yeah. As with all of my guests, but you know, I always encourage people to, to reach out to my guests and, and find out more. Um, it's one thing that I've learned along the way as well, is that when people say to put it out in the, the open and say, contact me, get in touch, they actually mean it. You know, it's not just a, a, a bit that says, you know, I need to say this for, for marketing purposes. Everyone that I speak to who says, you know, reach out to me, drop me a line, they actually mean it. So encourage people to go out and get in touch with Dan, get him along to uh, to one of your speaking gigs, and I'm sure you won't regret it because there's some amazing lessons to be learned there. So, Dan, really appreciated your time, mate, today. and l- love your energy, and I love uh, love your story and love what you're doing. So uh, keep it up, and, and thanks for being a, a great uh, guest today. Cheers. Thanks so much for the time, Paul. Appreciate you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review, and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.